WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Right now, that time, 817, you're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, today, the 6th of June. And in studio with us this morning, we do have Brandon Hall, a dispatcher for 22 years, I believe. Right around 22 years? 22 years, yeah, that's right. That's a long time. Yeah, I started early when I was uh, 20 years old, so it's it's been a while. <laughs> I, I mean, you must enjoy it for doing it that long that's a long time for any job these days yeah it, it definitely has its up and ups and downs so what are some of the uh i guess more interesting times that you recall right off the bat uh just really anytime i mean it, it's it's hard to kind of go on this because anytime that we have a good day at work it's usually a bad day for someone else i bet so uh you know really the first thing that kind of comes to mind is the christmas day bombing that we had a couple years ago i walked into work that morning and there was not too much going on initially when i walked in the front door but once i got in the dispatch room everybody was walking around and they told me that there was a uh, rv downtown that looked like they it had some sort of a music or message playing saying that there, there was going to be a bomb go off and right when i walked in and it was about to take over my radio at that point they say well the bomb just went off so i just took over from there and it went non-stop the rest of the day and continued for days and i mean if you've been downtown at all you've seen it it's still there's still remnants of it there and that was what was it two years ago mm-hmm, 2020 and it was around 8 30 8 o'clock what time uh, 6 30 in the morning 6 30 in the morning on the okay. dot yeah. wow that must have been a wild somewhat chaotic morning but then again thankfully there weren't a lot of tourists on second avenue when that hit yeah he he picked exactly the right time for what he was wanting to do the uh the guy that did it he was just wanting to to cause disruption more than anything not a loss of human life that's why he had the message going for so long beforehand and typically uh christmas day is one of our slowest days of the year because everyone is visiting family there's no fights or anything like that going on that early in the morning so it, it was completely unexpected and i remember it wiped out 911 services for multiple cities around middle tennessee and probably past middle tennessee yeah it was uh, multiple states i think it reached up into kentucky down into alabama georgia and uh, maybe even virginia i might be wrong about that one though and uh, assuming that was his goal he was successful partly in that because it did cause a lot of chaos it, it caused a lot of chaos um, but at the same time i'm hoping fingers crossed that something like that can be avoided again so it while it did cause initial chaos, I'm hoping that in the future something like this can be avoided. So on that morning, I'm sure there were hotels that were booked because of Christmas. You had family coming in from out of town, and a lot of families were staying in the downtown area. Did you have calls from people at hotels you know, asking what in the world happened? We felt our, our room shake. There were a lot of people that called in for various reasons. It was initially that um, I was actually on the radio, but I was feet away from other people that were on the phone. So uh, at the time, people were calling in asking about what happened. And then later on in the day, people started calling in asking about their relatives that were in Nashville they couldn't get a hold of. You know, I, I think situations like that, 
while it's scary for everybody, of course, I, I can't imagine being a tourist from another state, another country, and you're in town in Nashville, and you think, you know, Nashville's safe. You hear all about how everybody visits Nashville. It's one of the number one growing tourist spots in the country. And then you hear an explosion. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that would be running through your mind, it'd just be crazy. Yeah, it's enough to wake you up. I mean, I've, I've seen video of the blast, and luckily there were just minor injuries past the actual bomber himself. That's wild. Now, recently, you had a hand in helping to bring down some carjackers. Now, that, that sounds like an interesting story as well. What You even got a phone call, I believe, from a locksmith. I don't know if the locksmith was in on it or the locksmith was called by the carjackers. Yeah, the, the way that happened, the, the initial part of it anyway, they actually had a uh, the woman called in. She had just been carjacked. She was uh, close to downtown, not right in downtown, but someone pulled up behind her and they, uh, they bumped her and then jumped out of the car, threw her out of the car, and then took her car away. And later on the day, we got a call from someone... Uh, that had a description of the same vehicle and i actually took that call i immediately knew exactly i was like that's that's the car so i got uh, police going out that way to where the the car was and they made a big effort to get these people in custody i mean they tried to get as many of them as they could and i i think they picked up pretty much all of them again we're talking with brandon hall a 22-year dispatcher works in nashville the metro area now do you actually work at the nashville police department is that where dispatch is located no we have our own center it's uh, completely separate we're we're actually our own agency so we dispatch for the police fire and medical so we can I can be giving CPR or delivering a baby the same time I'm taking someone who just got shot. So going back to these these carjackers, the phone call you got from <clears throat> what I guess the locks was it an actual locksmith who called? What was he questioning the people who called him? What was happening? Yeah, he he just thought it was really kind of suspicious about uh, you know what what they were doing. They uh, were essentially wanting to have someone come over and take a look at the vehicle. I mean, obviously they just stole the vehicle, so they were. I would imagine probably want to buy like either make or buy more keys for it or something like that. Hey, and I'm guessing a lot of the times criminals don't think things through. I, I mean, calling a locksmith to get them to make a key for a car they just stole, it just doesn't sound like they well, thought it through. The, the thing with uh, criminals is they, they have to get lucky every single time. Police only have to get lucky once. Yeah. And, and you know, it's hard to run. You know, you always hear it's hard to run from... In the old days, used to be the CB radio. You know, you, yeah. you can't outrun that. And today, it's more than that. It's digital technology. On top of that, it's social media. I mean, it would be really hard to get away with a lot of crimes. Yeah, it really is. And um, but people figure out how to do it. I mean, it's it's either that or they know that they're going to get picked up and they'll have a few days in jail and they'll get right back out again. So. There's a lot to it. So in that carjacking case, I, I know you won an award for helping to, you know, nab those persons, or I don't know how many were arrested, but you, you had a hand in, in all of that, and you won an award for helping with that. Yeah, uh, it was Employee of the Month for that month, and uh, that's the in 22 years, that was the second time I've had Employee of the Month. The very first time was in my very first month of training where I helped to uh, find someone who they suspected of being a rapist that was peeking in windows of an apartment complex. And it, wow. it took a while. He was hiding in the bush. It was in the middle of the night. We had to have the caller actually come in and, well, he she didn't call, come in. She was kind of seeing him from across the way. And 
we had to guide the police to see exactly where the the bush was that he was hiding behind. So in in the case of the carjackers, you're kind of orchestrating the way things flow in a big sense, especially if, you know, the the locksmith is calling you saying, well, they got this call. They said they wanted me to meet them over here. So, I mean, you're orchestrating, okay, well, if the locksmith calls the people back and says, I'll be there at 10 a.m., that's almost telling the police, well, they can arrive at exactly 10 a.m. and find the suspects. Yeah, what they ended up doing was uh, they, they set up a, a huge, uh, I'd say, net for them. They surrounded the area they were in. We had uh, our SWAT team, K-9. Uh, the helicopter was at the ready. Just It had landed in, at a police station really close by. So right before they went in to get everybody, they launched him, and it, it worked out really well. There was A couple of them ran, but past that, it was... Uh, it was pretty much without incident. They recovered. A, I think they've recovered a few guns from them as well. Now, as Nashville grows, so do all the outlying areas like Smyrna, Laverne, Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole area is growing so fast, but that means crime is growing as well. Now, it may be growing percentage-based, so it may not actually be going up in huge numbers, but it is going up in huge numbers at the same time because our population is going up by leaps and bounds. So nashville area have calls gotten crazier over time i don't know if i'd say crazier uh just because every single day there's something new for us it's um it, it's it's different almost every single day and when i say different years ago you can you think about uh, some of the serial killers that have been caught in different areas of the united states that's happened back in the you know 50s 60s 70s you know, nowadays, it's just the biggest thing I say is that crime has changed. It's continuing. It just changes. And uh, some aspects of it, yes, absolutely crazier. But in the in the big scheme of things, it's there. It's probably always going to be there, unfortunately. Hey, have you ever gotten calls from people who turn out to be the main suspect or the person who's later prosecuted, convicted for a killing, for a rape, for whatever crime it is? But have you gotten calls from the actual suspect who right off the bat, they were saying things that had you just scratching your head saying, well, this sounds a little more fishy than just somebody calling in to report a crime. Yeah, generally when someone does something like that, they will start off with giving way too many details. If, if I was to find my, I don't know, my brother, wife, sibling, something like that, I walk inside the house and I find them passed away, there's little details given other than I found them there. Someone else who's called in that's actually done something like that They'll start saying details about what they think happened. And, you know, I walked in, I saw this, and all these things were out of place. It's almost like they're trying to set up a, a narrative for the things to come. So, yes, that, that happens, and it happens, I won't say frequently, but it, it can happen. And I would imagine there's a lot of, I don't know, fakeness that goes with those phone calls from the person calling in because it seems like usually in cases where somebody stumbles upon a crime like you're describing where a loved one is found dead there's a, an amount of shock that first hits that person when they see the crime scene if you would and they may be completely emotionless because they don't know they don't understand what's happening or they're over the top hysterical i, I mean it just seems like it's one of those two things not calm enough to tell the dispatcher what they see and in and, and far as giving a complete description of how the layout of the house is when they come in yeah it 
you know, really it, it also kind of depends on the person too. Uh, somebody like me, if I was to walk in like that, yes, I would have some emotion, but I think I'd be able to keep it under control until later on. Now, um, most people though, you know, I'll talk to someone that has a, a very minor traffic accident or something like that. And it turns out that no one's hurt. The cars are barely hurt. And the person involved is bawling their eyes out because they've been involved in a wreck. So people handle uh, different things differently like that. Hey, and I know a lot of people when that fight or flight hits them, sometimes they'll pass out. Yeah. And that, that happens as well. I mean, I've, I've been on the phone with somebody who's had something like that happen and then the phone goes uh, silent and you hear kind of a thud and that's them hitting the floor usually. So once you determine somebody who's calling is not injured, is, is not suffering a heart attack, do you try to pull information out of them, such as details that will later help police in an investigation? Absolutely. Um, our main thing that we do, and I've, uh, I, for 10 years, uh, I was a trainer. I tried to t- teach this all to my trainees is the biggest thing is you want to get enough information to get them out there to the, to the scene of the call and do so with safety in mind of the caller, the police officer, or any other responders and keeping the suspect in mind. So you have a suspect description or something like that, go ahead and get that, especially if they've left in the car. The police may pass by them on the way there. They can pull them over on the way. So that's the biggest thing, getting them there. You don't necessarily want to write the report for the police officer because he's going to get all that information probably multiple times. So something like that, you you really want to get all the information to get them there and, and possibly nab the suspect on the way there if it, if it comes down. But these phone calls into dispatch, they're often used in court as well. Yes, they can be, absolutely. Um, I, I'm sure that I've had a few of mine. It's handled by a different division than I'm in, so I don't necessarily always know when it happens. But, yes, if, if needs be, it can always be pulled into court. While you're in the background, you're also very much at the forefront because, in a sense, you're the first responder because even though your eyes are not out there on the scene, everything that you're being told is really firsthand coming from whoever's standing there. Yeah, one of the things that I learned uh, back when, when I started, I was actually only a police dispatcher. We were separate. We were I was hired by the National Police Department. Then when we did our consolidation where we added in, the fire department and the EMS with it. I got some training for some of their dispatchers. And one of the people that, uh, one of the, their dispatchers told me, said, if you really think about it, if you're given CPR or some sort of information like that on the, the phone, it's like doing it yourself, but being blindfolded and with your hands tied behind your back. So that's, that's kind of what it is. Again, Brandon Hall with us this morning, a dispatcher in the Nashville Metro area. And when I said earlier, you're almost, you know, orchestrating everything that occurs in a sense you really are because while you're on the phone with somebody you're also contacting whatever police officers in that area ambulance i I mean how does all that play out so with us we we're what's called a linear dispatch system so we don't handle everything ourselves. there's we've got way too much volume for that so if i'm on the the telephones that's where where i'm going if i I can be assigned to a radio and that's that's different now when I'm sending up something, if it's a multi-response, say you have police, fire, and medical having to go, it goes to each of those different things. So if I'm on the radio, though, it's it's different. I, I could have anywhere from 30 to 100 officers on the, the radio with me, and the same thing with the fire personnel. You know, We've got a ton of different units in Nashville, and it can happen like that. So on the phone call that you've taken and the person who's talking to you, are there other dispatchers listening in on the conversation to figure out 
well, here's what we need to be doing. Not usually. Uh, once the call gets sent up, the, the dispatcher, you know, reads the information in the, the call itself and then goes from there. Any subsequent updates are, are put in if there's something that's, let, let's just say that a, a business gets robbed at gunpoint. You know, when they're, uh, usually what I'll do anyway is I'll get the address of the, the actual business itself, get it going, and then I'll put something like more to follow in there. That way the police can start getting in route. And then as they're driving there, I'm updating them with a suspect description, which way they went when they left, you know, what they were wearing, things like that. Uh, we got to take a short break, but when we come back, uh, think about what some of the more bizarre calls you've gotten okay. were. Because yeah. uh, I want to hear about that. And I'm sure there's some interesting ones over the years for sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Again, Brandon Hall is our guest today, a dispatcher for 22 years, works in the metro Nashville area, and we'll talk more to him in just a few minutes. And if you want to text in a question, we'll take your question at 615-893-1450. Again, you can text Brandon, 615-893-1450. We'll be right back right after this short break time right now 8:34. the action line on fm 101.9 and am 1450 murfreesboro fm 100.5 smyrna and streaming at wgnsradio.com hi this is peter demas with demas's family restaurants did you know that demas's now can cater events we can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door if you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. And as the weather starts to warm, our minds turn to pond season. Here at Animal City, you can find all the supplies you need for a beautiful and serene garden pond. If you're a pet lover, come see us at Animal City. We have 8,000 square feet of pet products and pets for you to enjoy. Come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hey fellas, still need your annual health exam? I personally recommend Low T Center to get your complete health assessment, where they check all your levels. It's typically completely covered by most health insurance, and if you don't have insurance, it's less than $100 for a full lab panel and an office visit with their medical provider to give you a complete health assessment. Low T Center specializes in men's health, making it quick and easy, even verifying your insurance. Go to lowtcenter.com now to book online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Look for increasing cloud cover for this afternoon with showers and storms developing, high temperatures in the upper 80s. More storms likely tonight, 69. I'm meteorologist Michael Carroll, News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 72. Hi, I'm Larry Castelli, and I love living at Adams Place. You have an exercise class and balance that is more aerobic, get your heart rate up and so forth, then you have only stretch and balance. You don't feel cramped. You have a nice campus and you have uh, green spaces. Well, I think it's a good place to live. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 8.37. Again, Brandon Hall in studio with us this morning. A dispatcher in Nashville for the last 22 years. And before that break, I was asking, what are some of the more bizarre phone calls you've received over the years? So so what are some of the strangest things you've heard? So I'll, I'll go way back. And this is one of the things I say uh, with a lot of the dispatchers, and they, they'll attest to this. A lot of the calls throughout the years, you'll just forget because you take so many of them. But the very first couple months that you're there, there's a few that stick out. One of the ones for me was I was actually working midnight shift. I got a call from a woman who said there was someone at her door. This is three or four o'clock in the morning banging on her door. And uh, she didn't know who the person was. She couldn't really see him. Then she says the person's going back out to their car, don't know what they're doing. Then he brings out a backpack and starts walking around the house. And at this point, I'm like, okay, just try to stay quiet, stay calm. And when there's a, a little pause for a few seconds where I didn't hear anything, and then she just starts screaming, they're setting my house on fire. So essentially what the guy did was went, went out to his, uh, his car. He had a backpack with a gas can and doused her entire house with gasoline, ended up setting it on fire with her in it. I think that he was just trying to probably burn her house down and not necessarily with her in it. That's why he was banging on the door for so long to see if she was actually there. But at this point, I'm kind of faced with a, a double-edged sword. Do I leave her in a burning house or do I send her out to a person that could be wanting to cause her harm? Luckily, he went and got back in the car and drove away, and I told her to get out of the house. And when when she did, she saw the car at a better angle and knew exactly who it was, and it turned out that it was, believe it or not, a workplace dispute. And apparently it was bad enough that this guy wanted to burn her house down. That's crazy. Yeah. How often are you receiving calls from people who are the victim or about to be the victim of a serious crime where somebody may be breaking into their house, could be a domestic violence situation? How often do you receive those types of calls? Every single day. I mean, the like you said, the domestic violence thing, it, it actually happens a lot more than you think. Um I mean, just really any type of crime you think of, generally it's called in by the victim unless there's some sort of serious injury with it and then someone else may be calling on their behalf. Do you ever hear those calls where somebody is hiding in a closet, maybe it's a child, and they are hearing and then relaying to you what they're hearing, dad beating up mom or somebody who broke in a home invasion and they're attacking one of the parents? Yeah, that actually, on my shift, I work the you know day shift now, when I was on midnights, it happened more often with the break-ins. Uh, there's too many times where I'd be on the phone with someone, and you know, police in Nashville, especially if they're going out to a, a kind of a further out area, it could take them a few minutes to get there. So the whole time, they're sitting on the phone hiding and trying to stay quiet while someone's rummaging around their house after they've broke through a window or kicked the door in. It's a, a really tense situation, and you're just hoping that this person doesn't find the, the victim there hiding wherever they're at. Now, just a couple of days ago in downtown Nashville at the Frugal McDougal Liquor Store, some man was there, and apparently he wrestled with the security guard, got his gun, shot the security guard, then went back inside, 
and Metro Police, of course, released the body cam footage of how all that played out. And it shows police going in there, yelling at the man to drop the gun. The man doesn't, and then starts firing on police. That body cam footage, are are you hearing any of that as police go in? Are, Are you able to to i guess find out live what is happening as it's unfolded in in addition to the phone call of whoever's calling in uh, actually no most of the time that that uh, we get a call we don't actually know what happens afterwards so we we get no closure on it with something like that luckily we did um that particular incident he he went inside he was a shoplifter when the security guard confronted him about it he was outside they started fighting and uh, apparently he wrestled the gun away from him and after he got the gun away from him, he shot the security guard, killing him. Went back inside for what reason? I don't know. I guess he was either trying to hide or maybe trying to get more liquor or beer or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure. But police did get there on the scene. They confronted him. He shot at police. And there was a, an exchange of gunfire. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad they took him down. You know, while shoplifting cases usually don't escalate that quickly and exactly. turn into stuff like that. Do you have a lot of calls from retailers uh, about somebody shoplifting in their store? More than you know. I mean, it, if I'm on the if I'm assigned to the phones that day, I can easily say that I'll take ten or fifteen calls like that in a single day. It's from it can be from anything from a gas station to a Dollar General to Walmart, Kroger. I mean, really anywhere that has anything for sale, people are wanting to steal it. We got a text message that says there have been multiple shoplifting incidents. At Victoria's Secret in Murfreesboro over the years, where people would steal up to 30 items at a time. Has that also been a problem at Victoria's Secret stores in Nashville? Have you received calls on it? Yeah, Yes, we have. Um, it's not been quite as much. I, I know what you're talking about, the one here in Murfreesboro. I, I kept up with that for a while, and it seemed like they had a, a few people that were specifically targeting that because they knew they can get in and get out pretty quickly. And I, if, if I recall right, I, I think they actually caught them. I think they caught one set of persons who have been stealing from stores like that, yeah. but, but I think there were others out there who have yet to be arrested. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that it's probably still continuing on today. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that there are still people going in there, and they may take a few items, but the coordinated kind of shoplifting attacks like that, that, that doesn't happen quite as often, and you don't know when it's going to happen. I mean, it's, they just rush in and start grabbing as much as they can, and they run right out. They're you imagine someone who's inside the store as an employee most of those are usually women and they're they've got their hands full with the customers whatever so they can't really do too much about it by the time that they can call the police the suspects are already out the door and gone on the way and i'm sure there's a certain level among those who are the victims of stuff like this of just surprise you know they, yeah. they weren't expecting a, a group of 10 people to rush into their store just grab a bunch of items and leave yeah that's what they're hoping for but you know like just like you were saying a little while ago you can't beat the cb radio and all that kind of stuff now it's the security camera they're putting security cameras up everywhere so it's much easier to find out who someone is when they're doing something like this this next text message it says i have called police several times in the past for drunk driving i would get behind somebody follow them and watch them literally drive off the road but it seems like it's hard to get police to actually find that person or get to them in time to make an arrest do you get a lot of calls where you're talking to somebody who says i'm following this black truck and they're driving all over the road they drive off the road how do those calls usually go 
for the most part, and, and I'll say that actually happens, it's a, a daily thing as well, multiple calls a day uh, for people just like that. There's no way for us to, to actually say for, with certainty, like you, you could be behind someone and, and say, okay, this is a drunk driver. There's no way to be certain about that. I'll give you an, an uh, for instance, for me, myself, I'm driving home after working a, a 12-hour shift one time, and I see this car coming up just barreling behind me. And he's swerving all over the road. He barely, he barely misses me as he goes by. And maybe a mile down the road, I see his car just spinning around like that. He had hit a, a van, and I immediately thought, drunk driver. And I get up to the car, and it, uh, the guy was in army fatigues. And I ask him what's going on. I mean, I was a little bit more vocal than that. But uh, it turned out that he was having a diabetic issue. Uh, he had been driving since, uh, I think, the western side of Missouri. He was going to... Uh, a base down in Georgia, and uh, he said he doesn't remember anything past getting into Nashville. So, and this was in the south part of Nashville. He had been driving for probably 20 or 30 miles before he actually crashed, uh, you know, since he forgot about or didn't really realize what was going on. So, you, it's kind of hard to say exactly what's going on with that person. Yeah, absolutely, they could be drunk, but as far as the police go, it's kind of a priority type system that's what we've always have to deal with if we have a life-threatening emergency or something like that we have to go to that first if someone's shot stabbed robbed we're having to go to that first and the person who's reckless driving who may not be doing anything else other than reckless driving that's not quite as a priority to us some calls i'm sure come in where whoever is the one calling in they're describing what has taken place they're telling you what's happening next but have you had those calls where the person who calls in, they're telling you, well, this guy just pulled out a gun. They don't know that I'm here. I'm watching this kind of like hiding in the closet for yeah. a case like that. But where they're describing to you what's going on and all of a sudden it escalates to a point where, well, you never would have imagined it escalating to all of a sudden. Yeah, that that happens. It's, it's not quite as often, but uh, as far as someone being a witness to it off scene, the immediate thing I think of is a bank robbery. I've, I've taken several of those over the years. Uh, one of the ones that come to mind, and it, you may or may not have uh, been here when all this happened, back in probably, I think, 2002 or 2003, there was a, bank ro- a, a couple of bank robberies in Nashville and then another one down in Brentwood. The one in Brentwood, they actually uh, managed to confront the suspect, and there's a video of the, it was a female officer who was actually behind her car shooting through her own car window at the suspect. The one that I got, the, the call I got from it was uh, a bank over off of Jefferson Street in Nashville. A person saw this guy walk in with a with a rifle and then started hearing gunshots. And immediately, you know, obviously you think, okay, well, either he's shooting someone or robbing the bank or both. Luckily, he didn't shoot anyone there. That was more of a attention grabber. But, you know, he got out and they ended up uh, shooting him over in Brentwood. The police did. Are you ever surprised by the calls you get? Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I've taken uh, – this is one of the things I, I was, uh, I've talked about several times. I think in the time I've, there, I've been there, I've probably processed, in one way or another, probably over a million calls. So that's, that's a lot to deal with. It's, um, it's harder to surprise me now. I've heard most of what's going on. I can't say everything because before the Christmas Day bombing, I thought, okay, I have heard everything, and then that happens. I'm curious, how often do those who work in dispatch have to seek some type of outside help for the calls they receive? Because some of them, I I mean, they're personal in a big sense because you're talking one-on-one with the victim. And if that victim's killed while you're on the phone, that's got to be a lot to take home. Yeah, we have a a lot of services uh, available to us. 
um, and it kind of depends on the call as well. We're, we're always able to go and talk with someone if 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 it needs uh, if we've kind of I won't say burnout, but if we've just had a lot going on, it doesn't even really matter what it is. But if we've had a big incident like that, they'll generally send counselors up and they talk to us individually after the fact. And it, it kind of depends. I mean, I've, in the time I've been there, some of the things that jump out in my head, uh, for me, it's I'm fine with it. Some other dispatchers might not be, but there are times where you're on the phone with someone when they kill themselves, you know, a, a full-on suicide. They'll call in and tell you where they are and what they're going to do, and then you'll hear a, a bang in the background or, you know, something like that, and it's it does happen so something like that for some people they will want immediate counseling for it and of course it seems like suicide numbers they've gone up over the years i know they're down just a little bit i think this year so far but the numbers are still high how often do y'all get suicide calls uh it, in nashville it's it there's no really way to say that i mean it, it's just like the stats say around the holidays they do creep up a little bit uh but it, it can ta- happen anytime, anytime at all. I mean, I, I can be working my day shift and it'll be nine o'clock in the morning, or it can be, you know, middle of the night, something like that. Someone's had way too much to drink or uh, done a lot of drugs and decide to kill themselves at that point. It's anytime. There's, there's no real way to, to gauge how often or when it's going to happen. With Music City being one of those destinations for so many tourists, is it sometimes hard to narrow down where a tourist may be calling in a crime because they don't know their surroundings? Absolutely. One of the things I always tell people, I always tell my friends, my family, know what street you're on. Know the the name of the business you're inside of. Just all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, but in, in Nashville, yes, absolutely. The people that are downtown on or off of Broadway, they've had too much to drink. They don't know where they're at. They, they're just hopping bar to bar. They may not even know the name of the bar they're, that they're in. So, yeah, it, it can't happen like that. And in close proximity, even with the GPS that we have through cell phones, it may not be absolutely completely accurate either. And then add into that a tourist who's intoxicated. Yeah. And, of course, you know they weren't expecting to be the victim of a crime or to witness a crime, but because they're intoxicated, that's got to make it even harder to fully understand where they are. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and you think about the, the surroundings as well downtown nashville if it's friday or saturday night you've got probably tens of thousands of people down there in the middle of a a loud nightclub where there's a live band playing or something like that you can't hear the person because of so much noise going on in the background and you have to try to convince this person to leave at least if they can to a place that's quieter so you can you can get all the information you need in this next text message i believe they're talking about the shooting that recently unfolded at a school in texas and uh, it was talking about the rash of shootings and uh, asking the question after some you know things like that happen in texas do you get wannabe or you know threats called in that are similar but yet they're thankfully don't follow through but do you get calls do you notice an increase in calls of threats to places like schools after a shooting is done at a school like in texas yeah we we actually just had one here recently that was um it was a uh, preschool uh, like a head start type center out in east nashville where a guy called in and it, this was after i'm wanting to say it was after the buffalo shooting up in new york i, I can't remember the time i might not be right on that but he called uh, making threats to that head start center luckily they were able to uh, find out who it was and they've arrested that guy since then but a good you know as far as a big uptick not really the one thing that happened was 9-11 when that happened 
I thought, okay, that's in New York, that's in Washington, that's nowhere near here. I'll get into work, and I'm working second shift then. I'd probably say one out of every four or five calls that I took that night were people calling, threatening to do this to places in Nashville or just condemning you know the way America was or saying that they were glad that it happened. It, it, was, it brought the crazies out of the woodwork. You know, it, it's got to be... I don't know, frightening at times to receive some of the calls you receive because there are those out there who are obviously mentally ill and they're calling dispatch. Yeah. So you know firsthand that these folks are out there. They don't have help. They don't have any type of type of support system, but they're out there because they're calling in dispatch. Yeah. And, and that's another thing that happens seriously every day. I'll talk with someone who has some sort of mental illness. Um, it's a lot of them been documented. Sometimes they, it's it's not, uh, it's kind of a new thing for them. So it's not been they've not been diagnosed with anything yet. But it's pretty obvious if they're talking about, uh, you know, former dead president shooting lasers in their houses or something like that. It, it that does happen. Over the years, we've seen a decrease in state-funded, federal-funded mental institutions. I mean, there's there's less help available. Even though there's a lot of mental health facilities, they're not the type of facilities where you go and stay at weeks at a time or years at a time. Do you think that has caused a, a bigger problem in society? It's really kind of hard for me to say uh, just because I'm not involved with that exact aspect. Now, what I can say is that in the years that I've been there, 22 years, the amount of mentally ill people that call in, it seems like it's kind of a a cycle we'll get a lot of calls from someone and a lot of times it's someone with alzheimer's we had a woman who called in for a long time she would call in i'm not joking probably six seven times a day in two or three hour intervals i don't think she ever slept uh, and it was every single day nonstop for years and then the calls just stopped and usually it's uh, kind of an end of life type thing alzheimer's things like that where they really don't know what's going on and it's it's just kind of a slower down you know like i said end of life type thing where they're close to the end and they don't really know what's going on and then the calls just stop because they pass away when you receive calls that are obviously not an emergency call but it is somebody who may be elderly who has alzheimer's i mean i would guess you would start to get to know that person a little bit because you know to look out for their phone call yeah so uh exactly what you're saying we know these people when they call in they we know what they their voice sounds like their phone number their address all that kind of stuff and for the most part we will let them talk and, and we'll chat back and forth with them make them feel a little bit better there's not a lot we can do but sometimes there's something that will jump out in the minds in our minds that says okay there's something not quite right with this and we'll send police out to check on them or whatever at that point one of the times i've had something like that it was a woman who actually had a um she was in, had Alzheimer's herself, and she had a husband that was bedridden. She was convinced in her head that he was beating her daily. He, he had no ability to actually do that. It was just all in her mind. She was crying every single time. She, I felt really bad for her. But then one day she called in not crying and said that we didn't have to worry about it anymore. So I said, okay, that's a little bit odd. And we got out there, and it turns out that she ended up stabbing her husband with an ice pick. Wow. So, yeah, when you notice some sort of small variation like that, better better check on that. 
Again, we're talking with Brandon Hall, 22-year dispatcher for Metro Police and the entire metro area. Uh, this text question here says, do the police use, and I'm not familiar with this app, it says, do police use the app What Three Words to Find People? It says the app maps at a one-foot grid. I guess they find them up to one foot away from wherever they're texting from all over the U.S. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not familiar with an app called What Three Words. No, I've not heard of that either. I, I will say that for the most part, uh, a lot of these apps, they're they're third party. I mean, some of them do have some good good features. Uh, it's just that they would have to get recognized by every single police department or you know fire department in America to actually be used correctly. I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, I for that app i'm not familiar with it uh, our gps uh technologies we got now we we use a couple different systems to narrow down they're pretty accurate now i mean as long as you're not moving around uh if you're static in one space we can usually find out where you're at now it, it, of course it depends on your your phone as well and how accurate that is can people text police now in nashville yes um and the state is trying to get that passed i, I don't know if they've got it passed completely yet but in Nashville, yes, uh, you just you literally text 911. Uh, we'll get the call, uh, and generally we'll try to make sure that we can call them back and get the details over the telephone. If not, then we'll try to get all the details we can over a text message. Now I, I can imagine that that would be good in situations where somebody's hiding in a closet where they can't talk on the phone. Obviously, texting wouldn't make any sound, so it seems like that would really help. It, it can absolutely help. Uh, the, the biggest thing, and if you ever, anybody out there listening, if you have to uh, text 911, the address first. That's the biggest thing. Uh, we always need, if nothing else, we can send somebody out to investigate with the address. Without the address, it's not going to be nearly as easy because we may have to go as deep as contacting the cell phone company where they may have to ping the location from their own cell phone towers, which may not even be accurate at that point. So address first before anything else. We've only got about 40 seconds left this morning. So as we close, Brandon, what are, I guess, what, what would you tell someone who doesn't know what a dispatcher really does? What would you tell them? Uh, we, we, we handle everything from the very beginning. If you call 911, we're the ones that, that start everyone out and we can, hopefully help if on the medical side we can hopefully help with you know maybe giving birth to a baby or giving cpr stopping the bleeding for someone who's been shot you know we're the first first responders when it comes to it again brandon hall has been our guest this morning a 22-year dispatcher in nashville and i think you also have a podcast what where is that what website it's uh it's music city 911 you can go to any podcast app and find it uh, it's on every platform. Uh, it's uh, slowly growing. We've been listened to in over 100 countries, so it's a good podcast where I play real 911 calls every episode. Well, I appreciate you joining us this morning. All right. Thank you. Again, our guest, Brandon Hall, 22-year dispatcher. Stay with us. More news and information coming up on WGNS Murfreesboro. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.